Hello and welcome to another episode of Story Screen Presents. This is Freaking Out with Flanagan, the podcast that covers the TV series, miniseries, and filmography of one Mike Flanagan. And I'm your host, Diana DeMiro, and today we are talking about Le Midnight Mass, the spooky religious island story. Uh, released September 2021 on Netflix, post-COVID, and I'm joined today by one young Michael Burge and a very special guest, a Bernadette Gorman-White, host of Cathoid Raycast, our TV extraordinaire, and I'm really happy to have you here. Hey, Bern, what's up? Hi, I'm happy to be here too. And uh, so I'm curious, prior to watching this, have you watched any of the other Flanagan series or were you watching them in a certain order? Or like, I'm just a little curious about leading up to this experience. Because I know we talked about trying to get you to watch this one, thinking that you may or may not dig it. And I'm, I'm curious about that. For sure. Yeah, the only other Flanagan projects that I have seen, and obviously I need to add to this list, but the first one I saw was Dr. Sleep, and I loved Hell that. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. And then once you guys started your series freaking out with Flanagan. I was like, all right, now it's finally the time where I'm going to sit down and watch these shows because I'd always been meaning to and just hadn't gotten to it. So I've seen Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, and now this one. And then obviously I'll watch The Midnight Club next before Fall of the House of Usher because I'll be caught up by then. Yeah, Hell yeah. So you're pretty pretty prepared. And I feel like Dr. Sleep – almost more than anything else, really relates to this one. But I'm glad that you've seen the other two works just to know, like, the experience and the cast. I feel like coming into it and, like, recognizing ensemble characters, it's like his collectibles that he just carries over to each new show is kind of awesome. Have you seen Gerald's Game? I have not, but Ooh, I've heard it's very like, good. That's like the uh, the freak the freak meme, you know, the guy looking out the window. Ha, 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 ha. Yes, yes, that's... <laughs> The freakiest thing I think the Flanagan's yeah. done. That's a I, dang. I find that very uncomfortable to watch. It is for, one. It's a there's a dang ass freak. There's a lot of, a of layers to why that's so uncomfortable. Yikes! So once you have watched that, and it is very Stephen King, I feel like you know, and Stephen King not in the sense of like mythical, like Stephen King in the sense of like, oh, there was some fucked up shit he was drawing from, and his own drug-addled mind or whatever you know so once yeah. you once you do get to that one we'll discuss i don't want to spoil anything for you but there's some there's some sweet sweet carla gugino in that one so Ooh. yeah she's she's front and center and there's some henry thomas and uh what's his name what's who who plays papa that you love the, the husband oh, um uh, bruce greenwood bruce greenwood uh. Yeah. The best. Yeah. Who's like finally arriving it's, back on TV with it's the good. Usher. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've enjoyed it so far. Um, I also really like that he likes Stephen King, and I think that's really evident in a lot of his work, even if it's not a Stephen King adaptation. Totally. And I never saw the Dark Tower movie because I heard it was a dumpster fire, and I will watch it eventually, <laughs> but I'm so excited. I really hope this Mike Flanagan Dark Tower thing actually happens because that would be sweet. Pretty cray. Be, it'd be very interesting because he does have that. It's a daunting project. It's a big project, Oof, but again, the yes. thing that makes that makes Flanagan so good is he know he understands like how to balance horror with the emotions and 
sentimentalities to a certain degree that gives Stephen King that touch that everybody just can't get enough of it because he does have those, you know, it doesn't matter that almost every story he writes has an alcoholic writer in it that he's obviously just tuning into himself. People are like, I'll do this again. That's fine. Yeah. And Flanagan seems to be also like into a lot of the same themes. Like we're going to like, obviously we're going to talk about Midnight Mass is essentially his only fully original work that he has ever done like oculus his earlier movies and stuff like that are either sequels or based off of pre-existing scripts that he touches up that's true or they're right. based, or they're off, based of off of literature or a series of books yeah they're based off a you lot know, of this is the only one that like you know going all the way back to hush days like he's been teasing midnight mass throughout all of his movies like some like midnight mass is the name of one of the books that he wrote in um uh in um Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And that's the book that she's writing in Hush as well. Like it's it's like this interesting thing. It ends up in Gerald's game too as like a book on the shelf. So it's like a fun little Easter egg before it ever becomes a reality. Mm -hmm. And even more than just a title, like you do see Kate Seagal's character in Hush, like writing uh, Exer and it's like Flynn talks to, yeah, like Riley. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. I think it's... um, something that like he thought was too like too long to be a feature film had talked about it being a series didn't think anyone was going to want to back it and then with the success of Hill House and Bly Manor then finally was able to like get somebody to sign on to it at Netflix which is interesting um and it sort of happened at a weird time because they were just wrapping on Bly Manor and supposed to like immediately start Midnight Mass. And then that was like March 2020. So everything mm. shut down. So it's interesting to read a little bit about like they had physically built like eight cabins for some of the set and that they had also done some stuff in Virginia and outside Vancouver for these sets and to like really make them look like its own little t- island town. And then everything shut down and they came back, you know, uh, in June 2020 to start shooting again. But then in a way that that actually helped because it like created this cool island set that had aged over the course of COVID. Plants had grown in, stuff had weathered because a lot of those communities let the sets stay, which is kind of not the usual. But in that situation where everything shut down, it was kind of like hit the pause button and then the whole cast had to come back and be sort of like really intense COVID protocols, but then churned it out because of that. They were on such a tight schedule and then it just ended up coming out in the fall, which I kind of love that his series tend to come out in like September, October because of the spooky kind of gets you geared up for the spooky season. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, coming into this one, I was really curious about like, I feel like between the three of us, we have very different religious upbringings or like experiences with the same religion. Because I was also brought up, well, I was brought up Catholic. I don't know about you two. Brought up Catholic, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mikey's mom, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a lot of this movie is like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. So I love the premise that. Mike Flanagan was an altar boy. He kind of models some of the Riley character off of himself and other people he grew up with. And that it's sort of like this fun way of like Catholicism itself being, he described it as like a weird mythology 
steeped in blood ritual and resurrection and like how like direct passages of the Bible are kind of like, you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that that makes sense. That's totally what that is. Some creepy vampire shit. But I'm curious, Burns, since you watched this more recently, was it totally spoiled for you? Did you know that it was a vampire? That the the angel, in air quotes, because he's never referred to as a vampire? I didn't know if if that got spoiled for you or not. And Mike and I were kind of curious because Mike had no idea. And then when I watched the trailer, when it first came out, I was sort of like, is this going to be like a zombie story? Is this going to be... Like, you could tell something weird was going on, but I wasn't totally, like, I didn't know from the beginning that that's the direction it was going in. So I was was curious. Yeah, I consider myself very lucky that, A, I'm not the type of person who tries to figure things out when I'm watching something. Um, That only happens every so often where I get so intrigued. Like, with Yellow Jackets, I'm pretty obsessed with, like, ooh, it could be this. Oh, it could be that. That's part of the fun. (laughs) Definitely. But typically when I watch something, I'm more just experiencing it for what it's giving me. Yeah. And so I will say those first two episodes, I did feel kind of like a dummy once it was revealed that it was vampires going on because I was like, oh, yeah, like all the signs were there. Yeah. But I really thought it was just going to be a demon story. Totally. I didn't think outright vampire from the start. That's a great call because it could have yeah. could have gone that way. Yeah, just right. dealing with religion and and different iconography in religion. Yeah, right. But then I, when I was watching, I think maybe the fourth episode on Netflix. You know, whenever you have something pulled up on Netflix, they'll have like the big image in the background oh, of yeah. like what the show is. I think by like maybe the fourth episode, that big image was the vampire, the angel. Ugh. And I was like, well, I'm glad I'm like four episodes in now because now i know that this thing is here but i wondered if i had just missed that before and like any of the other images i had seen because i just wasn't yeah. paying attention but i was I very grateful maybe netflix knew like oh she's so far along like we can have this it image is, up there is an algorithm that changes the images based off of not only what else you've watched or what they're able to license but also what you've been watching on that thing That's so which weird. i think is very confusing and for no one like <laughs> what are you, like the only thing that's like sellable for that is like you watch this show that had this person in it they're also in this show for one episode i guess we'll just put their face on the poster and you're like that's called lying you're right. lying to me and they're like gotcha and then they scurry out a door mm, yes that little door that netflix scurries out and hides behind <laughs> like the boogeyman and netflix is the only streaming service that i've noticed too that if you linger on something for too long it just starts playing it and no, like no netflix gotta, bad netflix you gotta get out of here off. you can turn that off I it, it's I, intense i, I, I want to okay. go to like i want to take this to the supreme court of america and be like Autoplay in all things. It's ruining. Everything should be allowed it's to turn ruining off. It. it should be like it. It storytellers don't want autoplay. Let me turn it off. Let me watch the credits. Let me just let me yeah. consider if only for a moment oh, what I just experienced before you're just like you want to watch the fucking Flash and I'm like no I just watch <laughs> yeah. prisoners. They're like this has oh, nothing to do with. Are you, are you trying to have a, a a quiet cry during the credits? Too late. Here's three other shows we're gonna suggest and you're like out of, get out of here get out of here. I don't even want these shows. Exactly. We played pranks on random people in L. A. and they freaked out. I'm like I just watched Citizen Kane. What is this? Yeah. 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 So I'm, you know, I'm a little curious kind of 
with coming into watching this series, like you, if you guys tell me a little bit about your own, like being brought up Catholic versus maybe your relationship to it now that you're an adult and you have the opportunity to think about or question religion on your own. Cause Mike Flanagan kind of hinted that he doesn't necessarily, um, want to like endorse or condemn any specific religion. And so you have this island community that is very steeped in Catholicism, but then you also have hot Hassan as the sheriff who's Muslim with his kid coming to the island. And so it's sort of like talking about how any religion can be radicalized or there can be fanatics in any religion and it can be used against the people that believe in it. And so it doesn't specifically have to be Catholicism, but no, not at all. That's the one that just kind of is, I think the most approachable with the, you know, good versus evil, uh, the light versus dark kind of thing. Cause that's kind of played in the, the the show is just much, it, it, as much as it is about religion, it's kind of using religion and specific religions as, the points to get across the psychology of cults and groupthink and stuff like that. Like it's, it could have very easily been anything else, even not religion, just kind of using some other kind of a club, quote unquote, so to sure. speak. But religion just works much better for, you know, all the different aspects that make Flanagan shows interesting. He always does kind of have a little bit of religion kind of peppered in, even if it's just like with one character, he kind of does like the idea of like religion being this thing that someone has experienced either as like a trauma or as like this kind of saving grace that they can turn back to, which kind of comes down to again, like the psychology of what these things mean to certain people and how the exact same thing that is the exact same book that everybody reads can be interpreted in many ways. hundreds of different yeah. ways and pushed in a certain direction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, Bryn, like just from your own experience, like growing up and then now how you kind of function with it now. With religion. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to what you guys were just talking about just for a second, I do think – um, so growing up Catholic, I was raised in southeastern Indiana, and which was a very Christian area. But I think Catholics were in the minority. Um, there were a lot of Christian churches, just like straight up Christian. And then there were some Baptist churches and then Catholic churches. And that was like pretty much it. But I think, too, with Christian and Baptist churches, I could be wrong, but I had friends who went to those churches. So I would go every once in a while. And it seemed to me that those pastors could kind of pick and choose which passages to read from and which things to focus on with their sermon. And sometimes their communion, they didn't even call it communion per se, but sometimes those rituals could be different from church to church. Yeah. But I think it's so cool that they used Catholicism in this one, obviously with Flanagan's past too. Yeah. But that any Catholic church you go to is going to be reading the same passages because it's assigned per week. Everything down to the consecration, to the prayers, everything is going to be the same. So it feels yeah, it's like very cyclical too. Very. Like there's a season to each thing. It's yeah. Crazy. So yeah. it's very ritualistic, which is prime for very creepy aspects. Totally. But also it can be very comforting, <laughs> which is yeah. kind of scary. The familiarity of it, I would say from my own experience, it it's interesting. Like I still find 
the music and the repetition of the music very comforting. Agreed. E- yeah, yeah. E- even if I no longer, you know, believe it as true, like as a kid, you're just like, what is going on? You know, like, what does that mean? But mm-hmm. then, you know, and then taking some time away, there's still like, it is a, a sense of community. And I think the that repetition and the familiarity of it, you're never like that out of it. Even if right. you've been away, if you come back, there's mm-hmm. still something to comfort you there it's, to cling to. Again, Definitely. Like if, it, there is like very good to come out of it. And I never knock anybody for being religious. Get you as long as you're not hurting anybody. It's that classic, very yeah. easy, moral, morally okay and light ground of just like, as long as you're not fucking with anybody that shouldn't be fucked with, come on. Like, that's fine. But the repetition cycle of it too kind of is this thing of like, you, you've we've heard the, the it gets everybody kind of in it so if you ever do stray away when you come back in it's like riding a bike like, yeah it's kind of designed like that but also you've heard that 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 line like um you know uh like being crazy is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results and to a degree january through december and then starting all over again going every sunday and you're expecting like well he hasn't come back yet, but he's going to. And that's what we're doing here, right? And it's like, yeah, but like, is he though? <laughs> kind of thing. And it's like, there's people that like find hope yeah. in that and it helps them be better people. That's the kind of stuff that like, that's where religion really kind of like shines the most, like all over the world in any religion, as far as like my opinion on it. It's not for me. I have like my own little, you know, the church of movie theaters and like that kind of thing where it's like, that's kind of my religion. I get hope and ease through like watching TV, watching movies, studying them, talking about them with friends. Like that's my stuff. Some people, you know, you know, this phrase might seem a little vulgar, but like they just get off on talking about God. Like they're just like, this is my favorite thing to do. And I have found my friends and my people and my church that like to do this too. And we just hang out on Sundays and we do barbecues and we just talk about God. And you're like, cool. Well, that's part of yeah. the allure of the community of the show yeah. is that time. it's sort of like does a good job of showing both sides of the coin of, you know, you guys watched, um, what was it with Jude Law the third, the third day? Oh, yeah. 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 Like yeah, that fucking show was awesome. And I know you guys talked about that, but love that show. Um, yeah, so good. One of the but, best things made in the last 10 years. Much like Midnight Mass, in my but, opinion. But like the island, the physical, like taking you and trapping, you know, quote unquote, trapping you somewhere that you physically can't escape. And then mentally with like the Riley character coming back, feeling like an outsider. It's kind of like you have these young characters, Aaron and Riley, who spent their whole youth wanting to get off the island and now are both back there. And it's it's kind of like this awesome, yeah, church church picnic, crock pot, you know, <laughs> pot look. I I love all of the the awesome like musical cues of having Neil Diamond and just like feeling like, oh, this is such a nice place to be. But then you also have the like dreary, drab, wet, sad, like everything's really run down. Everyone has like a broken fucking robo in their yard. Like yeah. it's just like this place has been whooped. People are selling their houses or just leaving. So it's it's sort of like the yin and yang of it where they 
have the community of the church as a way to bond with each other. And then you have some outsiders in every community. And those are the interesting characters to me. But I want to talk yeah. to you guys about which characters you like and what you know episodes you were drawn to because it's part of the fun, I think. Yeah. Well, to answer your earlier question too, growing up with religion, uh, raised Catholic, baptized as a baby, you know, the whole thing, first communion, you know, obviously reconciliation, confirmation, all of those things. Um, my mom was the coordinator of religious education for our church for a while, oh, which okay. meant that she chose all of the programs and organized all of the programs that we used for Sunday school. And then also our family, like my mom, myself, my siblings, we ran vacation Bible school for our church uh, for a couple summers. Yeah. And yeah, I was a server. I was a lector, so I would also read during mass. And so yeah, our church or our family was really heavily involved in our yeah. church. And then when I went away to college, I went for a while um, every week, but then of course I fell off because yeah. a I was tired, b I was partying, <laughs> you know. C yeah. I just like became a little bit more distant. But then in my adulthood. I've spent times where I've gone long periods of time without going to church. But then recently, probably within the past couple years, I started going again every Sunday. Yeah. And I really liked it. And then I think, Burge, what you were saying, where if you like it, but you're not hurting anyone, that's fine. Yeah. Once Roe v. Wade fell, I was like, I don't think I can go to church anymore until religion is completely separated from government. Just yeah. knowing that this type of thinking, which you can have individually, but when it's weaponized and used on a mass scale in right. something like the Catholic Church, and then it infiltrates and starts affecting people who aren't religious at all, and they're having yeah. these religious beliefs pushed on them because the government says so, Yeah, I just felt like, all right, I guess now is my time to not go to church. So I haven't been going to church for a long time, of course. Yeah. Every time I go home to visit my mom, it's usually for like a Christmas or an Easter. And so I go to those. But it is really comforting, like even watching Midnight Mass with the songs. I knew all of those church songs. Yeah. All of them are bangers. I really like them. (laughs) The music is really beautiful. And I feel like, you know, the composers also do a great job of just like the scoring in between and then being peppered with these hymns and you're kind of like, oh, okay. And yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's got a vibe. You know, I, I know it's modern day, but I feel like because they're on the island, you know, a little Neil Diamond and the parents, it kind of gives like a little 70s feel to it, even though then you have a character like Riley coming in from having lived in Chicago and being a little more modern and is sort of a touchstone of like, oh, no, wait, this is current. You know, right. It kind of helps with that, too, because it is, you know, the arguments within it are same as they ever was, you know, like it's it's now like like you're saying with Roe v. Wade, like one of my favorite interactions in the show is having the sheriff not take issue with his son reading the Bible because they're Muslim, but because it was handed out at school and like pitting these characters where you have 
you know, Father Paul, who's really initially coming from a place of like love and being like the doors always open, everyone is welcome, and then having someone like Bev. And I feel like Bev is the scariest fucking character on this show. She might be Agreed. scarier than the angel itself. Like Agreed. she's just like she's got her own shitty agenda and she uses religion and all the things that happen to like back her own beef up. She's just a mean motherfucker. <laughs> and I love Samantha Sloan. This might be her best role, I think, of of the stuff I've seen her in. And she comes into Midnight Club as a very different character. So I'm excited for you to see that when you get to it. But it's just like she's she's scary mofo in this and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and on the Roe v. Wade thing too, like it is the same thing. Like like they just kind of weaponize religion. People that actually don't even really believe some of the stuff they can weaponize religion to be able to get across what they want to do which like in that case is just like i'm, I'm gonna simplify it just being mean to women for some reason like that's <laughs> yeah. all it really is like there's no other reason behind it um if it was a population thing we would just snip snip all the men that seems to make more sense uh perhaps uh but like in the show it, it it is kind of insane because, again, like we're just talking spoilers, obviously, throughout this whole thing. Uh, you know, essentially, he convinces most of an entire island to become murderers just because yes. he's like, this is God's plan, though, guys. Come on. This is what it's we've God's been talking plan. about here. God's taking he's us like, along yeah, for the know, ride. It's going to be a little I'm tough. Healing, You're going to have to be strong. Yeah. But, like, let's come on, guys. Yes. We, we all get this. We can all do this, right? It's and a everyone's gift. like, yeah, sure. Of course. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, that is like to me the most interesting is that I think I didn't expect. All right, so well, yeah, let's put a pause. <laughs> Hamish Linklater is fucking amazing, and the fact that he did not get nominated for an Emmy for this show still stings. The man is so good. Horror it's never gets up. respect, dude. But it he's never so gets respect ever. Good, and you know he spends so much time really kind of like convincing you that his motivation is full on belief and coming from a place of love. And I feel like it really convinces you until you see him like in the grips of his own hunger Mm -hmm. being turned. And then that being like kind of framed in an addiction and him finally being okay with becoming a murderer and like, finding a way to be okay with that and that's like the most heartbreaking point the every character is given a moment of their addiction to sin yes which like Mm -hmm. the vampire metaphor is like all over this thing where it's like even like that's with father paul it's like even the highest among you is tempted at all times sure and then it's you know it's even revealed like you know they've sinned in the past whether or not they believe it to be a sin or not like under the rules that they follow like adultery is a sin and it's just like everybody is at fault even within this like conglomeration of rules and stuff like the fact that it's on an island and pretty much just completely cut off from all other society and has kind of just been allowed to be this thing that has just remained the same for 30 years even as the world around it has changed and made it harder and harder for this community to keep going sound familiar like that's religion like as the world and technology and science grows the more we're like what is this (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's interesting because like so my parents my mom was raised catholic and went to catholic school her whole life and so 
my grandma was pretty religious. She's Hispanic, both, both her parents raised Catholic. Her grandma was super religious. Um, my dad came from it more of like, he had big Italian family. So he, his grandma was also Catholic, but he wasn't necessarily forced to go to church all the time. And he said, you know, when he got to college, he started reading about all kinds of religions and that he really said that it's interesting. But then the more you read about other religions, the more you start to question your own religion and you try and find either commonalities or things that he, he would refer to Catholicism as a cult a lot when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I was always like, well, why why do I have to go? (laughs) So it was, that's that's also the Riley character. And this is like the atheist who has become atheist by you vote. Everybody knows that one person is like, I've read it all. Yeah. I know it all. It's all this yeah. and that and blah, blah, blah. And Riley's not very uh, at all pretentious about it. He's actually kind of bummed about it because he yeah. lost this one thing that well, he, he thought was going to be. Well, he lost his sense of hope. Yeah, he thought it yeah. was going to be his only hope. And the more he tried to dive in to be quote unquote saved, the more he kind of realized like, wait, hold on a second. Am I just like completely damned no matter what because yeah. of what I've done and what I'm doing? Well, he he's his worst critic. So it's kind Definitely. of like... He's insanely self-destructive. He's yeah. never going to forgive himself. Nope. Even if Father Paul or his parents say that God will forgive him, he doesn't believe it. Mm-hmm. He hasn't forgiven himself for what he's he has done. That, like he makes a point of being like what I did. Yeah, he's got that series. great yeah. line that he repeats a few times in the first couple episodes before the big thing starts happening, which I've always read in one way. He always sa- he says like, I'm never getting off this island. Yeah. And I never read that as oh, he's fucked up so much that he's just going to stay on this island for the rest of, of his life. Like, no, he's going to kill himself very soon mm-hmm. on this island. Like, that's what I always read it as because he's just kind of like... like that, but I thought it, mentally he's lot, like, I'm think, trapped on the island. I Regardless, that like, where, he takes that where, with him wherever he goes. I think that that's why the show eventually gets to the point that it is because he is... I think that he is suicidal when he first gets there. He's very depressed, very upset. He's thrown back into the life that he like clawed to get out of and everybody's being either extremely mean or kind of like fakey nice to him to yeah, just try and make him feel of, comfortable. Uh, they're, they're pitying. Yeah. And he doesn't like that. And you know, he, he, he literally says like, I'm never getting off this Island, like kind of multiple times. Yeah. And even though like he does go to the mainland for like AA meetings and stuff, I feel like there's a little bit more to it than like physically getting off the Island. He's like, I'm never going to be able to leave this place. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's very like, it's very like moving back home after college. Like he returns mm-hmm. to his childhood bedroom and it's like a time capsule, you know, mm-hmm. like it's got like posters of films from like the nineties and the early aughts. It's mm-hmm. got like, he's kind of depressed. He's, yeah. he's back I, in his like twin again. bed with his parents, you know, checking his curfew and expecting him to come to every mass. And yeah. like, I, again, I feel like that's where the suicidal tendencies come from too, because like when he goes missing halfway through the show, like, that's almost the first inclination everybody jumps to is like right. he's or, been walking he around, he's on a wagon. bender or something yeah. like that. Like, and that's one of the reasons too that um, Kate Siegel's character like starts like asking him to come over more. You know, like obviously she's she worried. likes him. She's she yeah, wants she's to worried watch about him, him. talk to him. Like yeah. they have that whole talk about death, and you can tell that they both have thought about this a lot. Yeah, uh, especially given that moment too of what's going on with um, Siegel's character at that point. Like they have considered this and thought about like well what would the ramifications for me personally be if i were to just maybe 
take myself out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's interesting that Flanagan says he doesn't necessarily want to condemn any religion because I do think he does a good job of showing reverence for it. And you can tell that he does care about it and it meant something to him. But it is cool that the characters, Riley and Aaron, they are the ones who most outwardly wrestle with their previous sins or their previous yeah. shortcomings. And Catholicism is so much about keeping things kind of hidden and you go into that tiny little room with the priest and you ask for forgiveness and he absolves you and you say some prayers you really have to buy into that though for that to really work because so many people just use that as an excuse for their bad behavior because they can just go to confession you know next week and just confess right. their sins it'll all I mean, be forgiven and so <laughs> has never done anything wrong yeah. no and, and of we course all not. know this yes so i liked it that with aaron and riley they did continually talk about their issues with themselves and yeah. it seemed like they were probably the most healed out of everyone because they were suffering but it, their yeah. suffering was very outward so it looked like maybe they weren't healed but they were the ones really doing the work it was They're just the like the healthiest Ry- characters by right. far yeah it was just like <laughs> riley's dad having that heart to heart with riley on the boat where he said like i had resentment for you and i've been harboring it for a long time it's like yeah you probably went to confession and maybe like half-assed, you know, asked for forgiveness about feeling a certain type of way, but because you never actually aired it out in the open and talked about it, could you actually move on from this way that you felt? So it was kind of saying, like, remember, confession can be a very important and holy thing, but you also have to do the work in real life to to move past these sins, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that it's like... um, you that act of confession translates really well to the scenes between Father Paul and Riley in AA. Oh yeah. And I I love their one-on-one AAs even though I love the actor that plays Joe Colley. He's awesome mm-hmm. and I I, I want to talk the more about him. Saddest shit in the world. Uh, saddest shit in the world, but I love the the one-on-one of Riley and Father Paul because it is a lot like confession and you get that like Mm -hmm. pivotal moment that like come to jesus moment of riley finally admitting that he's jealous of father paul not feeling bad about his actions like Mm -hmm. that killing someone he he murdered someone he doesn't feel guilty about it and like riley wants that relief he never gets that sense of relief he wants that relief but he's not He's not letting himself He's not going to let it happen yeah. for his own sake. He's yeah. like, no, it's bigger than that. And it's like, on those things that you guys just said, like, I like the respect that he has, obviously, for, Catholic, like, the Catholicism, like, religion of it all. There is a version of this show that very easily could have been all of the people that were going to church every Sunday or every day and stuff like that, uh, you know, the mayor, his parents and stuff. There's a version of this where those 10 people become, like, the worst people at the end of the show who have absolutely no problem at all murdering this island and all these people that never go to church except for on Easter and Christmas or even not them. But I do like that. It's like, you know, the mayor and his wife are a little bit like that. They seem much more tempted to go over, but Riley's parents, you know, they are God loving church going people. They don't murder anybody, but they're just like, whoa, time out. (laughs) That's not what we're doing here. And it is this kind of thing. Like you can keep, 
Any the Father Flynn Paul is character. The best. Yeah. yeah, you can keep the Father Paul character as this kind of morally gray area, as like the voice of reason that's up there talking about things, and you can read it one way or the other in the middle. And that's kind of like when he's talking to Riley in that kind of confessional rec department sessions that they have. It is kind of a lot, a lot like he's trying to convince Riley, but also he's trying to convince himself. Very true. Because he's yeah. kind of taking, like you think about the two people that he picks for that rec department thing are like the two people on the island that everyone is ashamed of. Everyone thinks that another. those people are lost causes. And he's too. like, I will take your worst and bring them up to be the best and they will see. But I don't even think that he can actually believe that he, I don't think that he actually believes that he will be able to do it. I think he has hope in it. And, but like, because he, he gets frustrated by the end. He's like, this should have been happening earlier. Like, why aren't you like, stop lying yeah. to me. Stop doing this. Like, let's go. Like, right now. Like, just tell me the truth. And that's where the jealousy thing comes from. Yes. And that is a great fucking scene. Mm -hmm. And I love that that is very much like, you know, it's like watching a, a one set play like it's like very theater I mean, we oriented. haven't even talked about the monologues There's oh no so you know this this series by far probably has the most monologues oh definitely um, <laughs> it's a lot of monologues it's, it's a lot of monologues but i think it's pretty interesting and i, I feel like so. when you're tackling topics like mm -hmm. religion addiction yeah forgiveness the like these are the, good. these are the things you're amazing. gonna like espouse on for more than five minutes so that makes sense but yeah it's but like I they're love, evangelizing yeah i love bernadette talking about aaron and riley because you have father paul who's who is a full-on believer but is corruptible well it's weird these, because yeah. we don't really know monsignor john at all and yeah. so father paul is kind of like this new hybrid character because we never right. really get to know him as a human we only know yeah. him as the human becoming vampire right and it's and it's an old man in reverse so it's like it's our benjamin button character <laughs> where he's rewinding to his best self so it's like he's re-evangelizing himself because he's so psyched he feels good He's getting all of these people that he loves in his community to start drinking the Kool-Aid without their permission, and they are starting to de-age, and it's awesome at first. And it's sort of just like that, oh, my back, Henry Thomas, my back doesn't hurt anymore. And it has that great fucking scene of him dancing with his wife, you know, and, and swinging her around and, like, the, the vigor of youth coming back to everybody to get to their best self. Not necessarily their youngest self, but just like their most core self. And I think that's interesting too, because it's a lot like you guys talking about the different characters using religion, not as an excuse, but as a way to like validate their own beliefs where you have the Bev character, you have Annie Flynn, who I had never seen in anything before, Kristen Lehman. She's great. Like and yeah, she's fantastic. She's she's one of the best like sleeper characters in the show because she's just sort of like aw shucks, mommy loves you until the shit really hits the fan and then you realize no her core belief system is like that's not what that is about and you have that character alongside the um, 
Alexandra Esso character who's who's the mom that has dementia and then is also stoutly religious, but then realizes like, no, 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 that's not that's, that's not what we we talked about. That's not really what is supposed to happen. Yeah, you know? on that that actress, real quick, I wanted to see because I haven't talked to you about it, D, and obviously I haven't talked to you about a burn. Um, so. I feel I, I didn't know the show was about vampires, and now that you watch it, all the signs are there. And I'm gonna share with you guys something that's very embarrassing. And watching it a second time, I was like, "How the fuck did I not tell that that was a young woman in old person makeup?" Because the first time I watched it, I didn't get it until like again halfway through the season where they start de aging her, yeah. and I'm like, "Oh, there's like a little young person under there." Like the first few episodes. <laughs> Like they painted those it. liver spots on her the face. Per- it's literally because it's it's not good. Like I mean, it's it's fine. Like I'm it's not fine. knocking at all. It no, looks great. You know what? It's, it's a very it's a very it's hard fine. thing to do. It's fine. It looks very like beautiful mind joke at the end of. Sure. Um, I think it? you should uh, leave. I think you should leave. No, not I think you should leave. Oh yeah. No, I'm thinking of I'm ending thinking things. Of ending th- yeah, you said the same thing I was thinking, and I was like, that is. We're Not all the trying same to figure thing. out what the name of this movie is here. Yeah. Oh man, I do love that scene at the end of, of uh, I'm thinking of ending things with his yeah. like, fake forehead wrinkles and everything. Oh, so mm-hmm. good. No, but I mean, I do appreciate that they didn't do digital de aging. I, I it do looks like way that. better than that. Agreed. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, especially with somebody like Henry Thomas, like his mustache is fucking ridiculous, and I love it. You know, so I'm just kind of like, as soon as he starts to, you know that he's a younger actor than the character he's playing in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but he does such a good job of, like, he doesn't look like he's, like, faking it. His body. His body language His mannerisms of, like, hunching and, like, the 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 way he, like, places his finger on tables as he, like, passes by. It's those little things. Henry Thomas. He's so good. He's so fucking good. very good. And he just seems... He's my fave, man. He just seems so comfortable in this zone with Flanagan that he's in. Like, I don't need to... Like, you've seen the trailer for Fall of House of Usher? I have. Do you see what he's got going on in that fucking show? Does he have a ponytail? Oh, he's got a fucking ponytail. (laughs) And he seems like he's got a bad attitude. I love it. it. I love it. I love it. I love a little little ponytail on Henry Thomas. Like, in, um, you saw Blind Manor. So, obviously, one of my favorite Henry Thomas performances is the other him that he sees, where it's Henry Thomas as being a little His worst fear. Yeah. 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 It's messed up. It's messed up, man. <laughs> I love Flanagan loves a good, like, someone laying down and the perspective turning. Like, as soon as I saw that in the trailer for Midnight Mass, I was like, here we go, Henry Thomas on the couch. Like, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love your little tick, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, so now we're probably at, like, a good good, good point to take a little I mean, quickie breaky break. This is what we would kind of always talk, because we've talked about doing this. For a while. Yeah. Like, because mm-hmm. when Midnight Mass came out and we first watched it, we were both just like, Bernadette <laughs> is going to get something out of this show. Like, this is going to no be her jam. She, when, I no was like, she, I want to no hear whether her she likes it or not, yeah. her opinions will be quite interesting. Yes. So okay. now we're kindly here. And I feel like the religious aspect of it and everything is one of like the meatier things to talk about with the show. And I knew that like that was going to take up a nice good chunk of this episode. But I want to like, get more into the nitty gritty of the actual show. I want to talk about how hot some of these people are. <laughs> I want to talk right. about that dog. All right. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. And the cats. And the the cats. 200 cats. cats on the beach. He doesn't pull any punches in All this right. one. All right. So let's take no. a quick break. And when we get back, 
we're like, we're already in spoiler town, but we're going to go full on spoilies about like nitty gritty stuff in the episode. Who dies? Who dies? Who comes back from the dead? Mm-hmm. All that good stuff. Is there a God? We'll answer that question yeah. at the end. Doesn't matter. In Like definitely. We have, <laughs> we have the answer. That All right. You just got to get to the end of the episode. Don't skip. So we'll be right back with more Freaking Out with Flanagan, talking about Midnight Mass. Hey guys, Mike Burge coming to you live uh, from the bar that I work at because I ran out of time uh, the past couple days to be able to record this ad uh, for the Beacon Horror Show, part nine that we've got coming up right now. Um, So I'm just doing it at work real quick before I open up um, because I'm a professional and this is a professional podcast. Uh, first off, hope you guys are enjoying this episode, uh, where we're covering Midnight Mass. Uh, it was a lot of fun to record that, uh, with Byrne, and, uh, it's always fun recording with Diana. Uh, if they're listening, hi guys, and, uh, to you that are listening right now, hi. Uh, I'm a little frazzled, uh, so I'm, like, kind of moving around real quick, but Beacon Horror Show Part 9. Let's talk about it real quick. So every October, uh, for the past, obviously, nine years, uh, we've done a bunch of Uh, Fun horror movies all throughout the city of Beacon. Uh, And this year we are stretching on out to Wappingers Falls, Poughkeepsie, and Newburgh. So if you live in the area and you want to check out some really cool horror movies, um, this is the spot to do that. Uh, We've got loads of really, really, really cool stuff coming up. Uh, We're kicking it off on Tuesday, October 3rd with The Fly. Uh, and you know, we've got a movie bingo with Beetlejuice, uh, spooky edition story screen trivia. We're playing Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives on Friday the 13th. Uh, we're collaborating with Binnacle books, uh, to do a new book club, uh, where we're going to read the silence of the lambs all throughout, uh, the rest of September. And then we're going to get together and watch the movie. Uh, we're going to watch the, uh, Texas chainsaw massacre, the platinum dunes version, uh, for its 20th anniversary. Uh, we're going to watch Repo Man, uh, we're going to do Tremors uh, uh, for our pasta night up in Poughkeepsie, we're doing Young Frankenstein at Hudson Valley Brewery, and we're going to watch Night of the Living Dead. Uh, big one too is uh, we're going to show Green Room with a live performance by Low Fiction uh, featuring everybody's favorite bad boy, Jack Kalajewski, and uh, some amazingly cute individuals in that band. Uh, if you have not heard them, check them on out. Uh, you can find them on Instagram, Spotify, low fiction. Uh, they're fantastic. So that's what we've got going on. I was told to not keep this too long and I'm sure it also sounds terrible with this amazing echo. That's pretty much only good for when you're in the bar, but not recording. And, um, yeah, that's it. So, uh, Check all that out. Go to storyscreenpresents.com. Check out our events page. It's got loads of stuff. Some of them are free. Some of them are ticketed. Uh, just check it on out and, um, yeah, show up if you're in the area. Or f- spend a bunch of money and fly out to, like, go to one of them. If you spend a bunch of money to fly out on an airplane or helicopter, or even if you take, like, a fast train, um, just let us know and we'll comp you a ticket. We promise. You just got to show us a receipt um, that proves that you came from where you claim. Okay. Back to talking about... Um, Spooky religion. All right, and we're back with Freaking Out with Flanagan, talking about Midnight Mass and religion. But now, (laughs) I want to talk about what characters you guys liked or loved to hate. Who who are your character faves of this ensemble? I mean, Father Paul, 
for sure, but mostly for acting, because I think, as you mentioned earlier, the further the series goes, the less aligned you become with him. Yeah. Which is kind of heartbreaking, because I'm sure we've all had, like, those priests that you kind of see a little bit too behind the veil, and you're like, oh, they're just a person. You start to see their faults. Yes. And the show does a good job of revealing those faults. And so, yeah, you... It's great to watch him. Um, I had the opposite feeling about Riley. At first, I was a little put off by Riley, and then obviously was very won over by him Yeah. by the end. And of course, Aaron's great, but I really like Sarah, the the town doctor. Hell yeah. yeah. Annabeth She's awesome. And I love that, like, after you watch her be in a bit role, then you get to see her be such a central character and be like a modern well, young version of herself instead it, of like the dowdy house yeah. mom. Yeah. In, in Hill House, like she has a very small role. And she's like that, severe in Hill House. Right, but that her and um, I think Robert Longstreet is the guy that plays uh, Joe Colley and yeah. this who plays her husband in that. Like, yeah, they have, the caretakers. they have slightly smaller roles throughout the grand scheme of Hill House, but yeah. have the big emotional ending. Like they do. The whole... Right. Uh, emotionality of that series, they are like 50% of that in that moment. Like that idea of like, it's not all bad. Like there's something here that like, it might be hmm, a little questionable and maybe not for you, but at the end of the day, this is, and it's because you know how like strict she is because she's so good at being like, that's, I do love her kind of like way more laid back, like groovy doctor yeah. character in she's, this she's a doctor yeah. she gay she, she gay. brings mm-hmm. she brings a date to the crock pot mm-hmm. you know and it, then like she's also very like her mom is religious but she doesn't go to church mm-hmm. you know she's she's great i mean and oh, even man. when like we she's find so out good. like you know that father paul uh is her father and very all good stuff, reveal like, the parents, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. The, the parents like, the are like throwaway line of her being like, like, he always stared at me as a kid. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, they, uh, they never even bring up that she's gay as like any issue. No. Which I think is like a, a choice because that's obviously something that you could at least get a monologue out of Mike Flanagan. Come on. <laughs> but I kind of just like that. He's just like, that's not what this is about. Who fucking cares? Like, even in this thing, like everybody on the island is like, the doctor's gay. She just doesn't come to church. And that's it. And everybody's cool with it. Nobody's like right, doing they're, dumb shit. But not everybody's people. cool with it because you have the character of Bev. And well, Bev Bev's is, not cool at anybody. Bev's, so. not, <laughs> Bev's not cool. So no. I love that Bev is like so fucking condescending and holier than thou in the, in the truest sense. And always silently or not so silently judging you. So it's like Or killing things. Or killing like things. Just going around and or, rat poisoning, or poisoning things. Yeah. Oh. Or or poisoning Joe Collie's dog, which is like oh. really intense. I mean, I was gonna say like ironically, my two favorite characters from the show are even though like Riley's the one that I think that I um relate with the most as far as just like issues with religion drinking stuff like that well, and Riley just, is essentially Mike Flanagan yeah yeah and he's like you know the 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 kind of like a protagonist of the show at first until it's kind of like swept out from under you and you're actually and you're like actually no 
I love you know, that. Kate Segal is the protagonist of this show. Yeah, can we talk about that for like one second? Yeah, but I did want to say like Bev and Joe are my two favorite characters. Aww. Bev and Joe. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I think that yeah. Robert Longstreet... Robert Longstreet is, is so good. So fucking good. And his scene with... Aunt, is it Annie or... Who's the, the, the little girl? Lisa. Oh. Lisa. Lisa. His scene with yeah. her where she is just like unloading on him and forgiving him and how he's doing that... I am about to explode cry because I, but I don't want to make a scene and make this about me. It's absolutely insane. When he says that line, when she's like, is this the one, the gun on the wall? And he's like, no, I threw that away. I couldn't even look. And you're just like, he's so fucking good in this show. When the dog dies, like his reaction to that is like, like PTSD for me with like, yeah. Animals dying. It's just the way he expresses like the hopelessness and the confusion yep. and the loss. It's a very hard thing to do. I think that he's just like an absolutely radical actor. And he's my favorite part of the show, but y- you gotta love Bev. Like Bev is Bev. just like, you love a character that's so good at acting that you hate them like yeah. you're just like i don't like you and that's her just doing great like because she's also it's really funny that she's so sweet in real life i've seen a bunch of interviews with her especially for hush because in hush she plays the neighbor yeah um she gets killed off she gets killed off right away she's like the inciting incident spoilers for hush uh happens like 10 minutes into the movie um it is just like i also just love when people are really sweet people and they play like really crummy characters like yeah. Henry Thomas and Usher. Uh, it also looks like Sheriff is going to be kind of like a naughty tattooed boy in House of Usher. Like oh, I'm into it. You mean I'm, Ralph Cooley? I mean, yeah. 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 Even awesome. Kate is like yeah. Kardashian yeah. up yes. for Usher. I love it. It's going to be I'm wild. It. I'm into it. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. I love the interactions of all the like the people that I think my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the show is is Annie Flynn versus Bev Keen, and then yeah. being like Bev, you're not a good person. Oh yeah, it's the it's the holier than thou of yeah. it all, where it's like you know Annie Flynn might just very well be the most religious person on that island. Bev doesn't like the idea of that. Yeah, and Annie just being like, it's not a fucking competition, and and right. her being like. You hate the fact that God will forgive Riley. Yes, that, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's why she just is killing people. I yeah. love that they never really linger on the fact that, like, she definitely killed Father Paul, not knowing what was going to happen. Like, right? Like, that's the insinuation is that she poisoned the dog, and eventually she comes up with the idea to poison everybody else. The same thing happens to Father Paul that happened to the dog just days later, and she's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like. Yeah, it's, she, it's kind of unclear how yeah. Father Paul dies. Yeah, yeah it's kind it, of ambiguous. It, it looks like he got. It looks like he gets poisoned the same way the dog and everybody else does. I don't does. know. I, I wasn't sure if it was because he was abstaining from actually feeding on anybody. Like he's essentially dying. Well, of he's hunger. not vampire. He's not a vampire yet, though. Right. He has to die first. Uh, the the that's blood true. just gives you like yeah. it just rejuvenates you, makes you young, makes you strong. None of the vampire shit kicks in until you, you die. die. That's yeah. why he gets everybody into church at the end. He's like, and he feeds everybody rat poison. Like that's what happened to him. And he's yeah. talking about this happened to me. Yeah. And it's like I don't think he did it on purpose, but it seems to me like Bev, after finding out that he is Monsignor, is like. I'm going to kill him. I love hearing and her be like, Monsignor. Monsignor. She's, she's, How could I not have known? How could I not up. have told him? Oh, that? boy. I, 
Yeah, o- old man version of Hamish is pretty funny. Like old mm-hmm. man stumbling around Jerusalem is pretty, it is kind it's of pretty comical. It's <laughs> it's like it it's it's comical in a way that I think is like kind of intentional in like you know he, it's there's a sincerity there and was that him just in makeup it is yeah. again it? like that's okay i thought yeah. it might have been a different actor he was the only no, one yeah. it's like again, it's once him. you really start that like, is paying attention, looking at you're it. like oh that's obviously him yeah. <laughs> definitely on rewatch there's things that and I, I feel like this happens with all flanagan shows there's just there's layers to stuff like even you know without spoilers of watching the trailer it's like the kids hanging out in the woods to drink or smoke weed and then you see the reflection of the angel's eyes just like oh, creeping right. in the back hanging out you know you're just like oh, we never talked shit. about cat island a place that i would love to go cat island yes. straight cat island just a cat straight cat. yeah cat have uppers. a great time yeah but poor kitty kitties yeah poor kitty kitties don't make it too long <laughs> no they don't they get they get drained <laughs> they're they're like juice boxes for the for the angel to to, to drink up i mean and that's like that i think because i think that happens at the end of the first episode and the second episode starts out with one of a bunch of amazing like uh oneers that flanagan is just so good at being able to do and there's like it's like this 10 minute oneer of like the whole scene taking place walking up and down the beach with like eight different main characters like all coordinating with each other which has like one of the funniest jokes in the show too is wade telling the sparrow story like three times in the span of eight minutes just <laughs> yes. like keeps bringing it up it's like so but like that's another thing is like the mayor wade character is what a performance yeah because he's like great. he's good that is that is such an easily written dumb character or like acted just like super easy, like learn to hate this guy eventually because he's just a politician and an idiot. But they're like, no, there's something like kind of sweet about this guy. He's just insanely corruptible. You yeah, know? it helps that Lisa is his daughter because yeah. I think she's always kind of pointing out like, no, there's good in him. He's not just an idiot. He did raise yeah. this very kick-ass daughter. But yeah, but yeah he is hilarious, that yeah, Wade character. And, and his wife is very much more like, she's actually more of a real character i feel like like she like grounds it in the like sense that like hey we scraped by we're on food stamps to like put our daughter through all these medical procedures and all this stuff so you kind of see the different like yeah he is very when when father paul is first like stand up to the daughter like he's like what's that what you doing (laughs) what are you doing he's he's not immediately offended he's like Maybe I don't understand what's happening. Exactly. Are you, are you asking my daughter who's in a wheelchair to walk to you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty amazing too. Like just that that whole sequence of, of everyone being like, this is a cruel fucked up joke, right? What are you, what are you doing? Like, how dare you? And I'm, then yes. them being like won over by this miracle mm-hmm. is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So yeah, like the it's a cool moment. All these, these miracles throughout the show or like identifying things as miracles. It's pretty, pretty whack. Yeah, it really feeds into how Flanagan decides to tackle the vampire lore, because vampire lore really changes from vampire story to story. Totally. And he chooses like some really weird, bonker stuff that I don't think I've seen in vampire lore before. The fact of like giving people vampire blood and using it for healing purposes. Yeah. And not necessarily vampire purposes but then kind of implicating them along the way it's interesting that's kind of a that's kind of a true blood lore like whereas like in that sequence um normal people are, are taking 
vampire blood like a drug because mm-hmm. it like it does make you heal and it makes you strong but it's kind of like taking speed so it's sort of like a weird version of coke yeah <laughs> and people want it like get addicted to it because they like feeling better than they do when they're not on it so then it's sort of like an opioid you know parallel where it's like Ugh. yeah so it, it is interesting but i like how they don't really tackle that side of it until people have turned like where you have father paul kind of getting riley to stand really close to bev and then like fixating on like he can see everyone can see everyone's like arteries throbbing in their necks and stuff like that it's pretty wild i I love the like the viewpoint of once they've turned like how everything glows and lighting and saying things sing like the sound changes It's, it's very interesting to kind of try and think of of reasons that someone would consider this is a gift from God versus what the fuck is that? Yeah, thing? it's the beauty <laughs> of the world being revealed to you versus you're a better predator now. Yeah. Right. Like that's what it is. Like yeah. it's like you can now see things, you're faster than people and you're stronger like you're a better predator now. You can hunt people and I'm a killer, to see it as Bella. more like, no, no, no. The beauty of the world <laughs> has been shown to me and the feats that I can do now in God's name. You're like, mm, okay, all right. I also like that the angel never physically speaks. Yeah. and Except sort when of... he was like, like getting that one kid bowl to come in. Yeah. Like he used like some kind of weird tactic. Oh, he does like, yeah. mimic. like to bring up Predator again. Like that's yeah. something yeah. that the Predators do. Like they copy people's voices and they're like, I'm in here. Who is that? Yeah. Yeah. Creepy. It's creepy cool. luring them into the creepy abandoned house that is like his drug den. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like that he is very like, he is bat-like and he's so pale from like being underground for hundreds of years and and he's just vibing on this island he's, he's like this just, is a good idea he's just <laughs> motivated by hunger well he's motivated by hunger but also children i think too like he seems to be really down with father paul's idea where he's like wait you're telling me that i can get like a hundred like kids and then we'll go off the island and just like rip this place apart sounds great yeah these people are super gullible uh <laughs> when he when 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 riley dies Oof. That scene at the end of the episode where he just decides to go back, it's a hard one to watch knowing what's going to happen because he's just about to walk into Kate Siegel's house and you're like, this could be happy. And he just he like makes be, a decision because he he's happy. just like, something bugs me about what he said because he lied about it. Joe's sister. Yeah, because Joe's Joe sister Cooley's had sister. died and he lied about, yeah, and he yeah. caught and he Father just goes Paul in, in a lie. He just walks in and he sees... Um, he sees like the demon like in the trench coat up there and the demon like looks back over at him and uh, what's the name? Zach Guilford is the actor? Yeah. Clear what eyes, he, full hearts, can't he, lose. How he reacts he to that. in forever. How he reacts <laughs> to that, he just like kind of steps, but he's like, what the fuck? Like yeah. real, like, he's like a second, me? He's, he's just like, yeah. whoa, what the hell is that? And then yeah. it's just like, bop, and yep. it's gone. I also like how violent it is. It's not like all of a sudden Renfield version of Nick Cage with the fangs. It's mm-hmm. like just very, that that angel will be nomming on people's necks. Like he is tearing flesh. It is messy. And he is so motivated by feeding that he will take a stab through the wing from, you know, Kate Siegel's errand because he's so fixated on getting his meal. <laughs> so yeah. it's just disgusting, which I think is kind of awesome. <laughs> 
even though they they don't show a lot of gore overall in the show there is a lot of blood there's just a sh- there's just tons of blood in this in this series <laughs> yeah yeah i was actually kind of surprised that he chose to leave israel because it just seemed like so many people go to israel to visit that part yeah. of the world it's just like why is this island more compelling to you than but i guess he was kind of far removed he was kind of like trapped like in this cave by himself idea. Yeah, I feel like that's the idea of like, you know, not looking too much into it as like the Ocean's Eleven heist that they're doing, but like having (laughs) this secluded, separated off community that can be easily manipulated from his point of view. view. Yeah, like makes sense because it's going to take a few days to get everything going, but nobody's going to respond to anybody. Nobody's going to be talking about anything and then make your move very quickly kind of thing. I feel like that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, because Hamish Linklater's, you know, Monsignor is essentially the Renfield carrier character to Dracula. Like, he's mm-hmm. offering to put him in this giant trunk, you know, transport him safely to a new horde of people that he can mm-hmm. eat. Possibly so, on the Demeter, yeah. which may be having its last voyage. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? Who can say? Who can say what, how many more voyages are going to be happening it's after on the, this? There could the be bell 10, or the breeze. 20, there could be none. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually want to quick look up his name because I feel bad that I always forget it. Who's that? But I love the Sturge character. Aww. Oh, yeah. So, he is great. That's uh, um, Matt Bedell. Matt Bedell mm-hmm. is so much younger than he looks in this series. And so I saw that he is also in House of Usher and he looks like a completely, completely different man. Completely different person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no beard, yep. no crazy hair, you know. He's the... Uh, no gray. He's the... Uh, the dad character in Midnight Club. He is. That He's pops the dad up from character time to time. in Midnight Club. So he could look more like a middle-aged dad for that. That's more believable to his real age. But mm-hmm. in this one, I love that he is also kind of like a very kind character, but also very gullible and gets pushed around and kind of used as the quote-unquote muscle a lot of the time. He gets, he gets manipulated. He gets like manipulated. They are like, you are a big guy that can like pick things up and you also got a lot of blood in that old body of yours. Yeah. Why don't we uh, use that? And he's like, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, I, okay. and he very much like the sequence of him and Bev kind of arguing of who can get protection in the rec center at the end and like who yeah. is worthy and him being like this person was always kind to me just because they didn't go to church they can't come in I yeah killed my wife i killed my <laughs> wife I killed my, my children, kid, my children. Yeah. he's just like what the fuck is going on and i love that I, yeah i that do love the fact real, that the ending reveals that there's like 50 or 60 people on this island that we have not seen at all that have no idea what's been going on because they don't church. go to church <laughs> yeah they're just like whoa 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 what's excuse going on? me <laughs> yeah exactly but I love that it's sort of like, like you said earlier with the Flynn's, mm-hmm. some people are turned and they immediately like the mayor is like, yeah, now it's time for me to make out with people and eat them. And then you have like Annie and Ed Flynn who are like, I've been kind of just stumbling around the island trying to find you, but I didn't eat anybody. <laughs> this, is, honor. this is my blood. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I love them you know, to the end, just kind of finding comfort in each other and wanting what's best for their family, even though it, you know, comes across in in different ways for each character. 
Yeah, it definitely hinged on whether they took the religious aspect of resurrection as a gift or a curse. Yeah. And yeah, Riley for sure, he he had already been plagued for the past four years by what he had done. And then he's like, now I have to deal with this too. Now I'm like even more of a killer than what Forever. I was. Forever. Forever. Yeah, he's like, no thanks. And, and I, I love that for me, I it was a real surprise. Like you kind of think that Riley's going to be the protagonist for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a classic bait and switch of yeah. like, he's a little bit bigger on the poster. He's very formidable in the advertising. Um, the only inkling that you might have is that... Uh, well, he's Kate like the is, atheist foil to the priest. Him. What? He's like yeah. the atheist foil yeah. to Hamish Linklater's Kate father Siddell Paul. becomes the protagonist immediately once Riley vacates the show. Well, she's the moderate, and I like that yeah. she's like the unlikely hero because mm-hmm. she does yeah. believe, but she doesn't believe in everything. So she's got her yeah, own. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't yeah. follow blindly. Yeah, yes. that's the whole right. point of just like. You know, and she's ultimately the one that takes out like the bigger, greater threat. You know, because by the yeah. end of the by by halfway through the last episode, you're just kind of like, well, everybody's fucked. Like, there's no not happy that ending. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Not that. Well, well, but also like, so the uh, the uh, um, the monster is kind of like, well, even if everybody else on this island dies, like if he that monster away. gets away, yeah, he, can get out. he can fly. And Kate Segal is the one who ultimately like stops that from happening. Like this could just happen again somewhere else. Yeah, she just makes Swiss cheese of his wings. Gets into the body. <laughs> Which is disgusting. And he's like just so into like drinking her blood too. He's just like Ugh. I love that he just like yeah, is like wild. he's like Meh. like he's like an yeah. a- he is physically like an animal that's like why are you bothering me? I'm in the middle yeah. of eating. When this. they first pour, pour when the kids pour the gasoline yes. on him in like the the previous episodes, it kind of both show how like oh he's like in this trance. It's like bloodlust. Bloodlust like yeah. doesn't matter what you're doing around me. Like I am forever ancient evil. Leave me alone. Like it just kind of thinks so little of them that they couldn't possibly be doing anything that to could hurt him. Har- hurt him in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I also like Mike did a lot when on rewatch. Whenever there would be the musical cues, Bum. yeah, there's like oh, yeah. the very like bass cello of being like, during the the trailers too. When he's just like, why, why, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> but every time like the angel shows up or right before, you're like, oh shit's gonna go down. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> looking out a window, and all of a sudden, just something that you thought was a tree just like has two little. Light eyes and moves around. Blom. Yeah. But then also, like, the heartbreaking sequence of Joe Colley coming up for guidance and then Father Paul, like, finally not being able to resist him and, like, won't let go of him. You're like, no, what and he the just falls fuck back and he hits his head. Hits his head. And, and the Joe Colley of it all, like, again, like, how that ends with him so just sad. like being like what the fuck is going on like this guy that he thought was trying to help him he's finally getting his life together like in some way whether it's temporary or not he's trying he's actively attempting to fix things and he just gets taken out immediately and it's one of those things where you're like well of course he would have to be like what else would happen to him on that island like you can't imagine that character in the last 3 episodes of this show like what would he be doing but then all of the stuff, like his trailer, his guns, his weapons, all the gasoline that he has left over there, the kids are able to grab that. So all that stuff is like kind of sectioned there where even though he's dead and one of the first to go, 
Yeah, they're able to benefit. His from, character yeah. benefits like the rest, and like they're they're able to kind of save the day because of his trailer being outside the town and people not realize. Like, did they burn the trailer down? See, I don't know if they got to the trailer. This was the I thing. You never see like, it, but trailer. they do say that everything is torched. But yeah. I don't know. Yes. You don't see it. Yeah, because because the, the idea is to have the rec center be the only building, so that they can control can take who refuge. survives the night, yeah. and then they don't realize, like, yeah, but if we take out these three buildings right here, you've got nowhere to go. Yep. Yeah. So dumb. They're yeah. fucking fools. Like it's again, Bev, it's like, what an idiot. <laughs> It's the same Bev thing. digging in the sand at the end. Oh. Yeah, that's the best. It's the same thing as like the monster not being like, I don't care if you put gasoline on me. I don't care if you're cutting me. What? I'm so much smarter than you. Or stronger. Yeah. It's stronger. You have no chance at all of whatever you're doing. So they just don't even think about it until they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> they burn the boats too? They burn oh. the boats. Huh. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Hmm. We messed up, guys. We messed Sturge. up. It's like it's the uh, the fault of the high <laughs> and mighty. You left it all but up to Sturge. It's the fault of like the <laughs> the high and mighty and the holier than thou He's not kind the of brains. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, mm, well, uh, didn't think about that because we just thought we were just smarter. We never. Well, even I, I love the you know the the monster squad assembles at the end, and it's Annabeth Gish's doctor, you know, ho- holy mama who's now young. Annie Flynn, Kate Siegel's Aaron, and then we've got Raul Coley as like your cowboy, bad boy sheriff who's Muslim, who loves his son, who's going to do whatever he can to protect his son. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yeah, it's awesome. It's sort of like, okay, these people that are quote unquote more liberally minded and less devout Catholic are the ones that end up coming together to save the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I think this was done on purpose to give you that moment of you're like, is Ali going to survive or is Ali going to die? Because you're under the impression that he has not been taking communion. Yeah, because he he, he shouldn't be able to. Right. So I was a little confused. That was like my one gripe with the show was how did Ali end up taking communion in order to survive the death? I I thought that was the point. Like that's the reveal that he was doing it. Yes, I think it is a reveal. That he was lying to his dad because he was being manipulated so far into doing stuff that his dad was like, you should not do that. And also they wouldn't allow you to do that. And it's like, no, the church is breaking the rules because they want everybody to drink it. I think at a certain point, Bev must decide that let him she'll, have it. she'll break the rules and let him have I mean, it even though he's never been baptized the, it's exactly what she utilizes too having yeah. the son of the sheriff she uses him as the poster child for being a good christian you <laughs> when, know right when he pulls when he pulls out that gun in oh. church and you're just like he's, he's like what the fuck is going on right now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like that's i do love like the absurdity of like those last like two episodes are so much fun because as we, the audience, have been watching it and we know this weird shit's going on. And then you remember in like that penultimate episode, you're like, oh, right. Most of these main characters have no idea something weird is going on. Yeah. Only like three of them even have a remote idea of like what's happening under the surface with the father, Paul, and Bev of it all. And Aaron thinks she's initially nuts. She's yeah, Aaron like, thinks she's, she's nuts. She's like, I'm losing my shit. And you're just like, oh, the sense. sheriff is just like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, there's a couple of missing people. One of them's, two of them are drunks. Like, what are you talking, one's like a pot dealer. Like, I don't need to worry about this. And he just goes, he's like, my son is just trying to go to church and that's really stressing me out. And he goes to the church and he's like, 
wait a second, what are you all doing here? And <laughs> yeah. it's just like, absolutely not. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. No, I do. I love that. Even like having like Ed and Annie Flynn look at each other during that final midnight mass and be like, wait a minute, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And then I love when they are trying to escape and they find just like Bev hanging out in the back room, like hiding. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Bev is a coward. Big Bev time. Is, she's not really like going to stick up for what she actually believes in unless it benefits her. And she's a scaredy pants the entire time. And she's doing, she's motivated by fear. She's mm-hmm. motivated by loneliness and wanting to belong to something. And, and self-righteousness. Then, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so intense. And I, I love that foil with her and the sheriff and like yeah. them praying at the end on the beach and like finding comfort in their religion and in each other. And then Bev being like, oh, they are the same as me. But then she just like freaks the <laughs> fuck out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Heath so and I also got a pretty hearty guffaw when Aaron shoots Bev. Bev's oh, like, so you, you only have five minutes. And Aaron shoots her and she's like, I guess we have five minutes. Good stuff. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So any any uh, closing thoughts or favorite episodes that you want to talk about that we haven't touched on? Uh, I mean, I love the um, the ghost that haunts uh, oh, Riley. Like, we haven't really talked oh, yeah. about that, which I think is the earlier creepy stuff that's meant to kind of distract you from what the show is ultimately going to reveal itself to be, which the is flashing like light effects of, of the red yeah. and blue lights. Cause of the that's police. like, that's regular at this point, like that's Hill house, Bly Manor shit. Like that's right. Like that's the ghosts. Personal that have, trauma. Yeah. The ghosts <laughs> that have the specific things that are the trauma that aren't necessarily like we've talked about in a bunch of the episodes. Like, like she's not an actual ghost. She's not a ghost. She's his ghost. Like yeah. the decision, something that happened to him that will haunt him forever. Like that kind of mixture between ghosts and haunting and interpersonal fears like that's the most like linked to what flanagan at that point was known for with the flaniverse yeah as it's called the flaniverse <laughs> i don't like that but that's- <laughs> no, i don't think again i don't think anybody <laughs> likes it they just do it because they're just like what are you gonna do not watch netflix <laughs> speaking uh, speaking right. to that to that kind of character and ghost i think it's it's good because it kind of it links back to that central super super monologue between Aaron and Riley where they're talking about like you know being motivated about the question of like what happens when we die and what you believe and then like Flanagan has kind of talked about in a couple of interviews where he's like you know it doesn't really matter what you personally believe happens when you die it's just how that belief motivates what you do while you're alive and I know you mentioned that earlier too Mike where it's just kind of like how that changes your behavior with yourself and how you conduct yourself and how you treat others. So whether or not you believe in something that, you know, your actions now are going to affect that or not. And so it's, it is really interesting because you have that Riley character, like maybe he does finally get an actual ghost when he has his moment of peace in the robo and he sees her not all smashed up, Mm -hmm. but like that kind of like is his, his one moment of final, hope or forgiveness for himself which is pretty awesome yep yeah that felt like a true atonement yeah in that boat was that he finally feels yeah like all right now i can forgive myself Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah that's not 
that's like a great too. Like as that scene started playing out this time we were rewatching it, me and Diana were like grabbing each other's hand. We're like, oh shit, here it comes. He's going to burn. Like, the scream is coming. He's got that like kind of double-edged thing of just like, he's like, I'm fucked. I don't want any part of this, but also I'm so sorry that I have to do this to you, but there's no way you would believe what I'm telling you right now unless I show you this. And he's like, I'm really sorry you have to see it. And she's kind of like, are you taking me out here to murder me? Yeah, exactly. She's like, what's going on exactly here? Yeah. Um, But in that moment too, it's like what happens when you die kind of moment. Like, you know, the sun starts coming up, he closes his eyes and then he sees the woman that he killed. Um, You know, and it's not necessarily her spirit, her ghost. It's her, it's his identification of her in his conscious, conscience. And she's she looks good now and she's happy to see him and it's like this kind of relief and then he fucking burns alive uh, <laughs> the blood the blood in his veins like combusts and just tears him <laughs> apart and i i forgot until we rewatched it how like the credits roll and she just and, keeps screaming and, she's and crying still fucking screaming mm-hmm. exactly she's just screaming like she's traumatized <laughs> And then the oh, next yeah. episode just starts off with her just like seemingly having been screaming and crying for like an hour. Yes. And just like exhausted, can't do it anymore. And exhausted. having to like kick the ashy remains out of the way so she can get the oars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like disgusting. So it's like more important to see her reacting than it is to see him get burned up. Right, because that also is like, that is the call moment for her character to like step right. up and be like, Oh, now I'm the only one with any sense of like moral compass that knows what's going on on that island. He sure. even says it. He's like, I know for a fact that you're, you're going to go around. right back there and yeah. try and help everybody. I'm telling you not to get the fuck out of here, but I know you're not going to listen to me. So, And thank goodness she doesn't. And that's yeah, also too, but... like that other scene, like, yeah, the Riley stuff, because like it's so, all the religious stuff is so interesting and. He is again the main character of the show for like like the first half. Zach Gilford's um, so understated. Extremely. When when he dies and um Kate Segal goes to the mom and tells the mom that he's gone, that he's dead, and she's just like, the fuck are you talking? What are you doing? That's not funny. Don't do that. Like it that kind of like immediate um not even like hesitancy or refusal, but like what's denial. The the, yeah, the denial of it all. Like a moment like that, your son is dead, and just said so casually because it's like there are bigger things going on right now. We can be sad about this later. Right now, we need to get off this island before sunset. Otherwise, like we're all dead. And yeah. the mom is just like, "What is this? What are you talking about? What do you? No, no, I have to go to mass tonight. He's not dead. No, he'll be back. Stop it! How dare you? It's the craziest. Yeah." Yeah, I like I like how um, you know, like I don't I don't know if I know Mike hasn't watched Friday Night Lights. I don't know if you have, Burn. I haven't. No, that actor's a lot. Zach Gilford is a lot younger in that show, but his character, at least initially, is is kind of similar in the sense that like he's experienced some trauma, but he's very kind of like quiet about it until he bursts. Like he doesn't let on that he's like secretly angry or upset about stuff that happened to he's him. He's like the James Vanderbeek character in Varsity Blues. I've heard but you know better. Like, but be- oh yeah because longer a, more time to stay it's with It's a yeah. better performance. It's like a more understated performance of mm-hmm. how like there's more to somebody but underneath. And so I'm excited that you're gonna watch Midnight Mass because he's just like a nice character in that. 
and he's he's upbeat. So I mean that midnight you're gonna club. watch uh, Midnight Club, mm-hmm. all the midnight yeah. shows, <clears throat> all the midnight shows. But yeah, he's he's just like a fun character in that, and he gets to be happy. Oh, mm-hmm. he deserves it. Yeah, he deserves it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very pleased at the end of the series that they did have a good little resolution with is his name Warren and yeah. Liza yeah. out in the boat. Mm-hmm. I did like because I didn't know how they were going to tackle that part of the lore, and it did seem like once the Papa vampire, once the the one who bred them all, had passed, mm-hmm. that meant the curse was gone. broken. Yeah. Right, you and never those, quite and know how it's going to go. Died right, so those right. kids didn't die, so they didn't fully transition either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, because you last... get very fearful that they're yeah. going to just have to wait it out, and without Sarah being able to test their blood every day to like mm-hmm. see if it's leaving their system it was yeah. like "Ooh, how are they gonna convince a doctor to be like hey can you do these tests on me every day so i know yeah. where i stand and i like that you know it's it's sad because she's like i can't feel my legs but then she smiles you know yeah and it's, it's like it's, it's that, hopeful that the big <laughs> one of the saddest most traumatic things of her life the first time she might have even thought that or said that is actually the most hopeful thing that can happen right now because it confirms that the papa's dead Yes. You know, and this 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 tragedy that befell me that was cured through these ways that were uh, revealed to be duplicitous, to say the <laughs> least, are over. And that tragedy has returned, but with the knowledge of, like, something worse could have happened, no matter how bad you think a tragedy is. Like, I would say that uh, the island being completely consumed by fire and vampirism is worse <laughs> than being confined to a wheelchair. Yes. Both are not ideal, don't get me wrong. But your but entire family is dead. Your entire family is dead, yeah. Take, I'd take the wheelchair over the other one, to, honestly. Yeah, definitely. That's just me, that's yeah. just me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that that wraps it up for me. But uh, I definitely am ex- excited to see all the, the little characters coming from all of these past three miniseries now following up for the final Netflix our final show with Flanagan on Netflix Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah we'll be back we'll cover Fall of the House Usher I'm a big Edgar Allan Poe fan I read a lot of it as a kid so I'm I'm into the creepy and I'm excited to see how he's going to tweak it and modernize it um, because a lot of those stories are short so I'm, I'm sure he's finding some weird material and ways to extrapolate right now Mm -hmm. but uh yeah we'd love to have you guys back i know we got timmy Irwin coming on for that but i mean uh, yeah we should probably just do like uh all four of us get together for that one if you're interested no pressure yeah Yeah. it seems crazy yeah i mean it's it's, it's, it's gonna be that trailer is crazy i love carla gugino so i'm glad she's back it's the uh the end of an era like that is the end of his netflix era like that's what he's predominantly known for are like these netflix shows i really hope that i know you know we've talked about Doctor Sleep at length on our previous episode, but I really hope he does get an opportunity to do another film with some of these yeah. people because mm-hmm. I love this ensemble cast, this like, you know, waiting for Guffman-esque core cast of characters that he keeps bringing back. I think he just needs to get the Dark Tower rolling. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, the world needs to get to the point where we're making things again. Sure. Which probably isn't going to happen before February. Um, Maybe. So we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Yeah. 
Yep. Next year is going to be very boring. I stand with the writers, so we'll let them take their time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but thanks for joining me, guys. We have more episodes of Freaking Out with Flanagan. We've got other episodes of our other shows for Story Screen Presents. Burn host Cathode Raycast. Bernadette and Mike have some awesome exclusive content on lots of awesome characters. Filmographies of Tony Collette. Robert Pattinson. They're working on some new things. They've got more material coming. You can hit that up on our Patreon. Become a subscriber. You'll get access to all that exclusive content. You'll get some discounts on some of our in-person live events, some free tickets to some screenings and stuff coming up. And yeah, we've got all of our other content on storyscreenpresents.com, written, video, podcasts, you name it. Hit us up. Give us a like Subscribe if you can on whatever you listen to, Spotify or Apple or whatever. We're we're on uh, all the things, SoundCloud. Check us out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, thanks again for joining me, guys. Spookies. Thank you. All right, we'll see you again. Bye. 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 Bye.